Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Talk Recorded live. Welcome to the Vistage podcast series. I'm Dave Nelson, a Vistage member since 2003 part of CEO Group 676 in Pittsburgh and your podcast host. It's my great pleasure to highlight extraordinary leaders with this. Every episode, we get valuable ideas from outstanding business leaders to apply in our own business, and that's what Vistage is about every day. Today, I'm joined by Ola Sage, President and CEO of eManagement, an IT solutions firm headquartered in Silver Spring, Maryland. Hey, uh, welcome to the Vistage podcast, Ola. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so uh, let's start out with a little bit of an uh, introduction. I always do a bit of background work when uh, preparing for these podcasts, and I was struck by your homepage. So uh, I just want to read, folks, as uh, as way of introduction, a little bit of uh, the homepage, because I, I like the uh, sort of conversational tone and um, just upfront open of it. Which the world of social media is a really cool approach. So. Right on the home page, it says, our purpose, really our existence, is to help our employees, our communities, and you, our customers, succeed. How do we do that for you? Well, uh, we'll help you mitigate risks through planning, engineering, developing, and securing your IT systems. More importantly, we'll treat you with respect, be accountable and truthful in our communications uh, with you, and do the right thing by you. And then you have published some uh, metrics, which come from the D&B Open Ratings survey results, uh, 93% um, business relations rating, 95% on both cost management and customer satisfaction, 98% on reliability. So, you know, you put it right out there. I uh, I, I love that. So uh, what else should we know about e-management? And I'd also like to know a little bit about your background. Great. Well, I really appreciate the uh, feedback on the website. We think we have a great website, but it's always nice to hear that others think that as well. And our our goal really was to make people feel welcome and to, to have a sense of warmth, to essentially have a have, uh, showcase uh, the personality of the company. So we want people to feel like they can engage, they can talk to us, they can learn more about us, etc. I would just add, I think at our core, we exist to help people succeed. That is really why we exist. We just happen to use IT and provide IT services as a way of helping our clients succeed, but it's, it's the people that we are supporting and who really have ambitions and goals that they want to accomplish that drive our enthusiasm and our passion for what we do. I also note from the homepage uh, you've shared a, a webinar there that has a you know picture. This is front and center on the homepage. Karen Britton, I guess senior VP and COO of the company. Uh, that personalization comes across. And you know anyone who's been in sales for a while has probably heard the expression "people buy from people," and uh, the people are coming across even in your 
um, your what would we call your website, your electronic uh, front door. Right, and if you read, for example, our bios, they're more of a story than they are a chronology of our experiences, et cetera. Again, it's all that attempt to really share who we are and what what drives us and why we're really uh, passionate about what we do. Well, that's a perfect segue then. Just talk a little bit about you, your background, how did you get to where you are today? Sure. So my uh, background is academically and professionally in IT. So I'm one of those lucky CEOs who has the opportunity to actually uh, run a business that is aligned with my personal and professional passions. So, you know, I have an undergraduate uh, bachelor's of science in computer information systems, and then I also have a master's of uh, science and technology management. So I kind of grew up in the industry, and in in the D.C. area, you know, this is what we call the government town. So, you know, there are a lot of government contractors, and I kind of grew up working both in small businesses as well as mid-sized and large uh, contractors who are providing services to the to the government. So it's, it's something I've known, and what I loved about it was that we had a role in helping our government um, essentially uh, improve their delivery of services to the citizens of Greece. So that's something that's always meant a lot to me. And, you know, when I started the company in 1999, it was just a few years after a law had been passed called the Information Technology Reform Management Act, um, or ITMA, I think it's the Information Technology Management Act. We, we refer to it as the Klinger-Cohen Act. And, you know, that was the law that introduced the role of a chief information officer in the federal government, which was a new thing. It wasn't new in the private sector, but it was it was a new concept in the government. And so there was just a lot of um, anxiety and, you know, um, not being sure about exactly how to do this, how to stand up an organization, what capabilities, what competencies would be needed, et cetera. So getting back to our purpose again, which is helping people succeed, we, we saw it as a perfect opportunity to really step in and help our clients get their organizations off the ground. So that's kind of been, that's how we started. And then over the years, we expanded into three other areas. So, you know, our core is really planning, engineering, developing systems, and then information security, which today is called cybersecurity. So give us an example of uh, something that you uh, you do for your clients. Oh, wow. <laughs> Pick a day. <laughs> Well, so we we implement a number of uh, solutions, and what I mean, so it can be, for example, they want uh, a software application developed to track some sort of mission-related activity. And so we'll have uh, developers who we have on staff help develop those applications. Now, we have a state-of-the-art development uh, capability in our company ourselves, which we've invested in, and this is at no additional cost to the government. So it's not, it's really a value add that clients can say, hey, we would like for you to develop this application. They don't have to worry about buying equipment and building development environments and test environments and all of that because we have all of that. So it's really just paying for the time that is required for for the development. So that's an example. We also have clients who are have engaged us to help protect their 
network infrastructure so that they're, you know, secure from hackers, et cetera. So we do that. We have a fairly, we have a deep cybersecurity capability, whether it's in cybersecurity training for companies or government clients to help users be aware of what they can do to better protect themselves. We help um, some of our clients with things like penetration testing to see how uh, secure their, whether it's their public-facing websites or their networks are, to make sure that hackers can't get into them. Um, we do what's called in our industry continuous monitoring, but that's really just helping clients stay on top of managing their cyber risk. So it can be a broad range of things. We help some clients with managing their records functions in the government. That's a big thing to make sure that records are available in case there's a freedom of information request. So some of these are projects, some of these are ongoing activities, but it really ranges across those four areas of planning, engineering, developing, and securing systems. One example is we've actually helped this fairly large agency develop their IT strategic plan. So over the next, you know, um, three to four years, what, where do they want to go, what are some of their strategic objectives, and how can we help them get there? So let's back up to cybersecurity because that's a hot topic for sure. Uh, there are uh, 20,000 uh, members now in Vistage. Uh, most of those are people running their companies or key executives in uh, a business. And, um, you know, we all know it's a technological world, but many of these folks, uh, they didn't come from where you came from with an IT background. Right. And so what would be your advice to a business leader who is not a techie um, about uh, about their business? What kind of mistakes do you see maybe people making? What what should they know or be paying attention to based on what you know, especially with this, this slant on uh, cybersecurity hackers, uh, all those threats that are out there? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think, you know, for CEOs or leaders of organizations who don't have a technical background, this topic can really be overwhelming, right, because the statistics are scary, uh, the potential um, implications or, you know, the consequences of a breach are significant, there's financial liability, there's legal liability. But, you know, what I tell folks is think about this as a risk management problem, not necessarily a technology problem. Think of cybersecurity as a risk management problem. So it's really a question of your level of understanding of where you're vulnerable and then your ability to determine what your tolerance for that risk is. And the only way you can determine your tolerance is if you know where you're vulnerable. So I always start with start with the individual because we are we we tend to be the weakest link in this cybersecurity problem. It's over ninety something percent of all cyber events have some human component to it. And so for CEOs, we're we're actually what they call high value targets because in our companies we tend to have access to the most valuable information or business sensitive information because of our role. And so. We become personal targets, and then by extension, our companies are exposed. And so what I really try and encourage CEOs to understand is focus on what you can do to better protect your own personal cybersecurity, and that's everything from whether it's your mobile phone, making sure you have some sort of passcode on your phone so people can't just pick up your phone and you know sift through all your emails. It's about making sure when you travel that you're using um, – 
you know, a personal MiFi or Wi-Fi if you can so that you're not um, putting your stuff and your company at risk by logging into things like free Wi-Fi, which I say there's no such thing. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> get what you pay for. Right. Um, you know, just be careful about downloading apps applications on your mobile phone if you don't have any kind of mobile security application. So things like that, because that's how these folks get in, right? Um, Don't open emails from people that you don't know or you're not expecting to see. One thing which I've recently started really um, talking about is a lot of companies, um, and actually we did this for many years, we're putting our email addresses out on our website. Right as a way to to have people contact us, you know, make it easier for folks. But we don't do that anymore, and and a lot of that is just because spear phishing is still one of the most effective ways for hackers to compromise an individual's uh, security or a company's security. Right, so just giving them your email address just makes it easier for them. So we're all about making it harder for these hackers and criminals to get information to you. So the larger point is what used to be okay, maybe even a year ago, two years ago, maybe something that you don't really want to do today. And and an email, publishing your email address may be an example of that. Interesting. So uh, you mentioned the term spear phishing. People might not be familiar with that. So tell us just a little bit about that. And then I've got a story to share that will definitely uh, open people's eyes. But uh, please define it. So phishing in general is basically a campaign where an email is sent to you from or is sent to a group um, that appears to be legitimate. But in it, there's either some sort of link that a user is asked to click on or information that's provided that when you click on that, it basically um, triggers the, the downloading of malicious software to that particular computer or device. And that's how systems get compromised. Or in some cases, software like you may have heard of things like CryptoLocker that actually lock uh-huh. files on a, on a system and then you know, they, they say you have to pay and you know, ransom, uh, ransomware, et cetera. So $500 that's, in Bitcoin exactly. within seven days. <laughs> exactly. So that would be like general phishing. Spear phishing is really more targeted Um, at a particular individual, and that takes into account some degree of understanding of how that particular uh, profile or person that is being targeted, you know, lives, works, kind of how their rhythm, what what their, you know, um, their approach is. So it can be understanding perhaps where you shop, you know, what kinds of services you use, what credit cards you use, what vendors you use. And so they collect that information, and then they create a very kind of targeted, and that's where the term spear, because it's very kind of focused, targeted email that is very specific to an individual. And so um, I got one about a year ago, actually, that looked like it was from American Express. And, you know, American Express is the vendor that we use in our company. And, um, And I remember looking at it and thinking, oh, it was one of those days you're rushing, and I'm thinking, ah, you know, it said my it looked like there had been a regular activity on my account, and so I needed to click on this link and update my information. I thought, I don't recall American Express asking me ever to click on a link. And so it was just a momentary pause. I can't really, it was one of those gut things. And I thought, you know, let me just 
call the the 800 number? And I did. And they were like, well, why don't you send us that email? And I did while we were on the phone. Sure enough, it was a spear phishing attack. So that's spear phishing. It's very targeted to the individual. Now, there's whale phishing, which is a whole other level, and that's what they call like high-value targets. So, you know, these are sometimes these are politicians, people who, you know, are considered kind of high value and have access to, you know, really valuable information. So there's various levels of phishing. And that's with the uh, PH at the beginning. Uh, so here's a quick story. Uh, I didn't know we were going to go down this direction, but I heard uh, of a Vistage member just this year who sold his company. Uh, so, you know, a lot of publicity about the big transaction. And the uh, the, the hackers, the spearfishers, uh, managed to uh, uh, penetrate his wife's email account. And, you know, once you're inside somebody's email account, it's not that hard necessarily to get a password. Right. A lot of people use these simple six-character you know, passwords. I tell people, boy, you know, get better password hygiene because that's a real vulnerability. But they got inside his wife's um, email account, and they were able to learn quite a bit about his uh, his life and who his assistant was. And uh, then once they had sort of figured out the, we'll call it the lay of the land, from the wife's email account, they sent the uh, email message to uh, this um, businessman's assistant. And um, it said, hey, I've got a big surprise plan for my um, husband on Father's Day. Would you move $53,000 from you know here to there? Mm-hmm. And you know the assistant thinks it's a request from the wife that there's a legitimate reason not to talk to her boss because it's a surprise. And um, you know they actually moved the money. And uh, you know the bank typically is uh, not on the hook when you make that kind of mistake. Right. Yeah. Right. So we all need to be really careful. Well, okay. So that's a good eye opener uh, for anyone listening to us. Uh, you got to have better passwords. Don't use public Wi-Fi's. If you must uh, use the internet while on the road, go over the cellular cellular network using your phone as a hotspot or one of those little MiFi uh, hotspot devices. So. Right. Uh, and we could probably go on for uh, eight hours, which we didn't schedule today, Ola, <laughs> on cybersecurity and the, the risks out there. I'm an engineer geek, software CEO myself, so uh, uh, we're definitely bonding on this one. But let's um, let's just talk about some of the best uh, best things that you've learned along the way that you think might be valuable to others. In fact, when did you first join uh, Vistage CE 459? I joined Vistage in 2007, so I'm coming up on uh, a nine-year anniversary. Wow. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Uh, you're catching up to me fast. I've, <laughs> I'm, I'm just past my 12th anniversary. Uh, so um, what? Uh, how did you get into business? And then let's talk about some of the lessons learned. So what, what got you into uh, running a company? Well, I come from an entrepreneurial uh, family, you know, of you know, parents who always had some sort of side business going on, et cetera. So I think that's just kind of part of uh, my DNA. But uh, so I always knew that I, at some point I'd want to have my own business. It's just a question of when and what and where and how and all of that. So, you know, I, um, I, I love the ability <clears throat> to create and solve problems. And so that's been something that has been uh, that, that having your own business gives you more flexibility to do. It's definitely hard work, and it's not for the faint of heart <laughs> to, you know, start a business. But um, that's kind of, you know, where where we started. So, you know, I started it actually um, 
so it was 99. It was right before the, uh, you know, the dot-com bust, which <laughs> we didn't know was coming at the time. But Great you know, timing it, there. <laughs> yeah, it was right in the middle of the boom, so everything looked kind of rosy, and then the rug kind boom. of fell out from under right. us for a little bit. Well, what was the um, the best advice that you received along the way with respect to running a business? Oh, I've just I've gotten so many kind of wise <laughs> insights, but I think the one that stands out was a conversation that I was having with a principal of um, one of the very large IT system integrator type companies and. Um, I was sharing with him that my Vistage coach, David Valden, had, had, you know, one of his mantras is, you know, as a CEO, uh, your two important aspects of your role are, one, growing the company, and two, growing your people. And so I was sharing with him as, as, that that had really been a useful guide for me in, in terms of decisions and kind of weighing them, okay, if I if – I, if I decide to, you know, take this approach or do this, is it supporting one of these two objectives? So it really helps with focus. And so this person I was talking to said, well, may I respectfully add a third? And I said, absolutely. And he says, and the third I would say is managing risk. And I just think those three have become like a triangle for me. Grow the company, grow your people, and manage risk. And having just come through the worst economic recession <laughs> in our history, I have found that triangle to be so useful, such a useful tool in helping navigate different decisions, um, uh, different issues, different challenges, and even opportunities. Well, that must be a very valuable triangle because you started right before the dot-com bust. That went off a cliff with everybody else in 2008, and here we are talking about this uh, as we're approaching the end of 2015. So the triangle is serving you well. What are you most proud of in your professional life? I think it's it's two things. One, up until you know our our the recession, I would say it was just the ability to grow a company. You know, I always say the easiest thing to do is start a company. The hardest thing to do is maintain it. And grow it um, because that's just a dynamic that has, it's just so dyma- dynamic, and, and there's so many things, external and internal factors, that can really make a difference. You know, so you know they have the gates in business that you know X percent of businesses fail after, you know, three years. I think I mean it's like a very high percentage of businesses don't make it to five years, and so I think I'm really proud to have a company that you know we're 16 year we just celebrated our 16th year in business and made it through the worst economic recession in the history. And and I think that's just a testament to the resilience and the persistence and the passion of our team and our people. And um, I just love the folks that I work with. Do you hire um, a, a lot of millennials being a, an IT company? And millennials would be defined essentially as 1982 to 2000, so sort of the 33 and under uh, Generation Y? We certainly have our share. <laughs> um, and, you know, it ebbs and flows. I uh, I don't think we're dominated by millennials, but we certainly have a good representation. 
And what have you uh, learned that might be valuable to others? Because not all VISTAGE members have uh, uh, really, um, I'll say, equipped themselves yet for the world we're going into. 49% of the uh, workforce is going to be millennials by 2020. And um, that means 49% of the average company's employees and uh, the average company's customers. And uh, yet many of them are um, not real comfortable with this new generation. Right. I think the thing that I love is just the sheer capacity that millennials have, which is something that I think for a lot of the boomers, and you know, I'm Gen X myself, we grew up in, in a professional business environment where you kind of had, you, you mastered, you, you know, you grew up in, you mastered a particular area um, or you had like a side, you were in a siloed kind of environment. And so you got to do your thing. But what I'm experiencing with the millennials is they can take on a lot of various things at the same time and really, like, do a great job. And so it's almost like a mastery of being a generalist, if that makes any sense. I haven't heard that expression before, but uh, <laughs> Master, like mastery of generalization. Right, but, right. And right. I don't mean that they don't have any core skill sets, but it's just that they have a much bigger capacity than I think, um, you know, the previous generations had to take on big projects, you know, and and important things. And I, I, some of it, I think, is you know that generation um, or grew up with technology, right? So. They can't even imagine a world without a TV or a cell phone or a laptop or, in some cases, even an I, you know an iPad. So, I think that that has given them access to so much more information, and they're able to process things, you know, in kind of asymmetric, asymmetrical ways. Um, and it's fabulous in a business because, from what we've seen, you know, some of our millennials are in in the development. Um, area, application development. So they can take a concept to reality and and just how their minds think about how to make something that was an idea become real. It's just fascinating. We love it. Fabulous. Well, let let me ask one last question, and that is, uh, what have you found to be the hardest thing about being a leader, and and has Vistage helped you in this? Um, I don't know if it's the hardest, but I think it's it was definitely a new experience of and that was that you realize that you know in many ways you're not really in charge <laughs> um or what you think you're in charge of you kind of find out that wow you know um it's not exactly how you thought it would be and so you know whether it's internal um factors employees um, whether it's vendors, whether it's customers, you know, and and I found that it's more about how I respond to things than it is my ability to control them that has helped me be more effective in being a leader. Um, I've also, and one thing that I've absolutely benefited from the Vistage experience is, you know, the group experience and not feeling like these experiences have to be um, just on my own, or that some of these decisions that I'm facing have to be explored kind of, you know, within my own head. And so that's been really helpful to have a place where you can bring your 
challenges, your opportunities, and just kind of flesh them out with other CEOs who are not even in the same industry, but you kind of find that, you know, there's some core business problems that are shared by everybody, whether it's around personnel, technology, you know, um, succession planning, legal kinds of issues. And so what I love is that the various perspectives are coming from different industries. So you don't feel like, oh, well, you know, they don't they don't really understand, but it also gives me an opportunity to hear something that is, oh, I had never thought of it that way. So that has been a real value for me for the from the Vistage experience. Yeah, I, I would certainly agree with that as a as a twelve plus year Vistage member myself. You can only learn so fast if you're on your own, and uh, Vistage really provides you that opportunity to learn from uh, a bunch of other business people who are you know, living in the same very challenging world, maybe in a different industry, but, you know, we all occupy the same, well, as uh, we've been talking about today, technology planet. Uh, somebody once said, uh, and I just heard this recently, I think it's an older quote, but um, there really is only one sustainable competitive advantage anymore, and that is the ability to learn faster than your competition. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, very uh, very thought-provoking. Well, Ola, it was really a delight speaking with you today. We talked about some things beyond what we had on our original script, but, uh, boy, I think that that was very valuable and interesting. So thanks for sharing your experience with us and the, the podcast audience out there. Thanks. I appreciated the time as well. All right. Well, folks, if you're interested in learning more about Vistage, please check out Vistage.com, V-I-S-T-A-G-E.com. It's a great way to take your business to the next level. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Vistage podcast series. We hope it helps you accelerate your business. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.